Okay, everybody take your assigned seats. If you can if you can find find your assigned seat. And we're in the new room tonight, so if this is way better and different, you'll know why. We're in the new room. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this place, for these people that come together to hear your word. It is indeed wonderful to know them and to share Christ with others who are like-minded. It's a wonderful thing that you've done. The body of Christ is indeed precious. How good and how lovely it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It is just a wonderful thing that you've given us. And we do not take it for granted. We do not discount it. It is a what truly a wonderful thing. Thank you, Father. And bless the word of God this evening, as you always do, as you must, for it is the minor thinking of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, may each one of us know what we believe. And to some degree, and to a greater and greater degree, be able to communicate it. When anyone asks us, to give an answer for the hope that is ours in Christ Jesus. We should surely have something to say, something wonderful regarding our beautiful Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for these things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This Thursday evening at 7.30 p.m., women from all over the local region, We'll be gathering here at our lovely church facility in our new room here and to hear one of America's great lady teachers. Oh, you think I'm kidding? I'm not. Our own Judy Seligman. Give her a hand. Judy, we are so blessed to know you and to have you as our friend and colleague. We are. Last week's message inspired women the world over. So far, more than 200 ladies have listened to it on Sermon Audio, imparting a new sense of being known and loved by Elroy. That is, the Lord who sees us. And so, this will be the second, I'm giving this a big shot tonight for our radio, or for our internet audience. This will be the second of five Thursday night meetings of this, the 11th annual Ladies-only seminar entitled, The Weaker Vessel? Question mark. Ladies and gentlemen, don't miss a minute of it. While the ladies are gathered inside, the men will be just outside here, outside the door, end door, enjoying pizza and maybe even wings, pizza and wings. Afterward, the men have to listen on sermon audio so that when they are deeply touched by the Lord through Judy's teaching, no one can see them crying. And now, we're beginning a new series tonight entitled, What We Believe. And the question is, and the message tonight is entitled, What Do You Believe? What do you believe? Tuesday, September 7th, 2021, 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, or training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be adequate. Adequate, that's all. 
who is adequate for these things? Our adequacy is of God, Paul says in another place. Equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. To say, I believe, should be accompanied by knowing with certainty what it is you believe, and preferably with the ability to articulate with some skill what it is and why it is that you believe. Peter tells us we are to be ready at all times to give an answer to anyone who asks. In 1 Peter 3.15, always being ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give an account for the hope. That's the forward look of faith. Why do you live as you do? Well, we have hope. Those who hope, those who have this hope, purify themselves even as he is pure, 1 John 3, 3. For the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. A lot of people need to hear that last phrase, with gentleness and reverence. Some people are bulls in the china shop, and that's not what God called us to be. He says, be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you. Don't force it on anybody unless it's a family member. It's a different protocol for family members. You can force it on them. You can hound them, but you can't hound a stranger or someone that you're not closely associated with. Do something wonderful for them. Maybe they'll ask you. Show them how wonderful Christ is in your life, and then they'll ask you. So some things Jesus directs only toward his 12 disciples, and you have to be able to delineate these things. You have to learn how to discern these things from the Scripture. Some things Jesus directs only toward his 12 disciples. In other words, tells them that they're going to do things, like going into all the world to preach the gospel to every living creature. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world, he told them to do that. He didn't tell you to do that. Although God could call you and send you anywhere he wants. And sometimes he does. But Jesus directs only certain things only toward his 12 disciples who are his eyewitnesses and chosen vessels. All of them set the 12 for Israel, 13th for the rest of the world, for the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Some things are directed to pastors by Paul and the other apostles. And then there are some things like this, like Peter just said, that are incumbent upon all believers, like knowing what you believe so that you can answer those who ask you. Well, we have a statement of faith on our website. I don't know if you've read it recently, but that's what I'm using as a basis for this message because it's actually very, very good. Our statement of faith is very good. I can't believe I even wrote it. I didn't steal it from anybody. I wrote it back in the day. Well, we believe the Bible, this is how it starts, is the Word of God, breathed out to mankind through hand-picked men who were controlled by the Holy Spirit in order to receive and transmit precise divine truth. It's called verbal plenary inspiration. Verbal means spoken. It was spoken to them. They heard it in their head, not out loud, 
but in their head. Plenary means entirely or all of it. Inspiration means to breathe out. It means to impart breath, wind, or spirit. The Greek word used to describe these things with precise language is found only in the New Testament. The word coined by Paul through inspiration of the Holy Spirit is theonoustos. Theos is God. Noustos is spirit or breath. It means God breathed, literally, literally translated. Here the Holy Spirit takes that which is the mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians 2.16 and imparts it by breathing into the minds of the human authors absolute truth along with full understanding. That's what he did. They understood what they were saying. And you say, well, I don't understand what they're saying. Well, you will too. By the same spirit, by the same theonoustos, the God-breathed word. He'll breathe it into you. And you'll inhale what is exhaled and then exhale in a effortless expression of spiritual life where you have urgency without anxiety. And what else? Transformation what? Yeah, there you go. Somebody's listening. Thank you. Certain passages tell us that this is so, that it's the word, the very word of God that these men had, like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 37. He said, if anyone claims to be a prophet or thinks he's spiritual, he must recognize that what I am saying is the word of of the Lord Jesus himself. Wow. Paul had to say that because indeed it was. Or 2 Timothy 2.7, he tells Timothy, he says, consider what I say and the Lord will give you understanding in everything. That's quite a claim, isn't it? That does have to do with everything he said before, like the the farmer and the athlete, the analogies he uses, but he's talking about literally everything. The Lord will give you understanding in everything. If you consider what I say and what I teach, because the Lord gave it to me by inspiration. Second Peter 3.14 says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, that is the coming of the Lord, be diligent, that's urgent without being anxious, that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless, An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, or Peter, is giving credit, or credit is due, to Paul, who is the most prolific of New Testament authors, having written two-thirds of the New Testament, 13 epistles, possibly 14 if he wrote Hebrews. Anyway, so... He says, count the long-suffering of our Lord as salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also according to the wisdom given unto him. From who? The Holy Spirit, by inspiration. Hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, all 13 of them, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood. Have you found that to be so? Yes, you have, like the mystery which they that are unlearned and unstable 
twist or rest as they do also the other, what? Scriptures. They're scriptures. They're the scriptures. God breathed scripture, the holy scriptures given to Paul, through Paul, by inspiration, unto their own destruction. David appreciated so much the great favor and privileges that were his and loved the word of God, of course. He was a man after God's own heart. Called that on many different occasions. The man after God's own heart. The Holy Spirit in his eulogy. He's the man after God's own heart. I found me a man, David, the son of Jesse, who did all of my will and never stepped aside in any matter except for the matter of Uriah, the Hittite. He didn't have the right to do that. But he's a man after God's own heart. David appreciated the great favor and privileges that were his, but most of all, that the Lord spoke by his mouth in 2 Samuel 23, 1. Now, these are the last words. Now, the last words somebody speaks are important words, aren't they? Sure they are. These are the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, declares, the man who was raised on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me. He who rules over men righteously, who rules in the fear of God, is as the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds. When the tender grass springs out of the earth. I can see David, he's in his dying moments. For he has made an everlasting covenant with me. Ordered in all things and secured for all my salvation and all my desire. Will he not indeed continue to make it grow? Indeed he did. And Jesus Christ is the descendant of King David according to the flesh. These are included, all of these, in the sure mercies of David, in Isaiah 55, 3, and they're ours as well, in Acts 13, 34. We have the sure mercies of David. God has preserved his word and kept it pure. In Proverbs 35, every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in him. Not only divine inspiration, but also divine preservation in opposition to the textual critics there are actually people that spend their lives trying to disprove what is commonly thought to be the source and even authorship of scripture the textual critics who analyze and theorize questioning text context and content and presenting alternative theories of origin and authorship. And people buy it. They write books. People buy it. If you're one who would tend to doubt the authenticity of Scripture, you'll have to do so by refuting the testimony of David, for example, and the others, and that would not be wise. We don't want to do that. You would be a wise guy rather than a wise man, like these are, who would critique the Word of God. And, you know, wise men seek him, and wise guys don't, ever. 
Psalm 19.7, this is what David wrote, the law of the Lord is perfect. I don't know of a statement that could be any more clear than that. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. You see, I might need my soul restored. And get the word of God. Get the law of God. It's perfect. It'll restore your soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. I'm not sure. Get the word of God. And it'll make you sure. Making wise the simple. I'm a simple man. It'll make you wise. Not a wise guy, wise man. The precepts of the Lord are righteous. I'm not all that happy. Oh, they rejoice the heart. Rejoicing the heart. I'm not feeling all that happy. Oh, get the word. Find it needed. It'll be the joy and rejoicing of your heart. Jeremiah 15, 16. Then he says, the commandment of the Lord is pure. Enlightening the eyes. I can't really see it. I don't have a vision. Without a vision, the people perish. Proverbs 29, 18. You need a vision. Finish work, Christ. You say, I'm not sure. Well, then get sure. Read the word. It'll make you sure. It'll give you a vision. Not a vision of sugar plums dancing in your head, but a vision of Jesus Christ. And you'll focus your attention upon him, and you'll be fine from here on out. Your problem was you aren't looking at him. You're looking at other people. Don't look at others. Or you're looking at something other than Christ, something other than the Word, listening to something other than the Word. Maybe you're looking at your phone at the computer screen way too much, way more than you should. That's a big problem, I'm telling you. You say, why would you keep, why do you keep saying that? Because it's true, and I don't know if anybody really has gotten it yet that needs to get it. There's people here that aren't challenged by those things at all because that's not their lifestyle. Their lifestyle is the word, but there's other people that haven't gotten it yet or have reverted to something less important in their life than the Word of God. Less important. They made something less important, more important than the Word of God, which is the most important thing in your life. Don't you know? Then he says, finish this passage before I get too carried away. The judgments, let's see. Oh, here's one. The fear of the Lord is clean. I'm so afraid. Well, have the fear of the Lord, and you won't be afraid of anything else except the Lord. He's the one that can destroy body and soul in Gehenna. Don't fear men. They can only kill the body, Jesus said. And death doesn't hurt. Life does. So it's a, it's a relief and a release if you die in the Lord. Blessed are those from now on. Blessed are those who die in the Lord. So he says... Then he says, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Those who fear the Lord will endure forever. And to such a degree, they won't even begin to fathom or believe it. They are more desirable, he says. Oh, excuse me, the judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. Righteous, not right sometimes or most of the time, but all the time. Altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold. You believe that's true? You will in eternity. Buy from me gold refined in the fire, white raiment and I said, Jesus said. Yes, then much fine gold. 
purest gold. Gold's really high. The market for gold is extremely high. How much is gold an ounce? Don't you know? Dan and Judy are gold merchants. Sometimes they deal with precious metals, but I thought they would know the answer to that. Somebody else probably does. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars, maybe thousands of dollars an ounce. Thousands? Yeah, thousands. Oh, is that what it is? 1700 an ounce. That's pretty good. So, but it's better, far better, the word of God, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey. The drippings of the honeycomb and a good watermelon. They're sweet. Susie and I like watermelon. She got me, she got me going on a watermelon. Dan always ate watermelon. But it's hard to get a good one. But a good one, you get a good one, you say, oh, man, that is so delicious. But it's like the honeycomb, drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, he says, by them, that is the words of Almighty God, your servant is warned. So you don't have to make mistakes, trip and fall. And keeping them, not only is there a blessing, but great reward that awaits you. That's what the scripture says. So you can be sure from the abundance of manuscript evidence dating back to the first century and before that our English translation compiled with exceptional historical and linguistic scholarship is most reliable. It is. Some people will tell you it's not, but it is very reliable except for the difficulty related to figures of speech. You know, figures of speech like in the Bible, there's one like uh, one Rick Knapp used to use. He'd say, I'm in a pickle. And you would say, well, what does that mean, I'm in a pickle? Does that mean that you're inside of a cucumber? No. That's a figure of speech. And so except for figures of speech, that is Hebrew, Hebraisms, or even in the Greek culture, figures of speech in the Greek language, that we don't under, fully understand, but there are tools that we can use to understand those. So except for the difficulty related to figures of speech and etymology or the change in the meanings and history of words, the history of words and their meaning, and authorized or authenticated versions of the English Bible are for the most part, except for those few exceptions, solid and sound. This is always to be verified, the scriptures are, and the versions of the scriptures are to be verified by comparing and contrasting scripture with scripture by using Greek and Hebrew study tools readily available and that all pastors should have the ability to use, skill in using, and by so doing, difficult passages can be properly categorized, interpreted, and explained. They can be. It takes a little bit of work, but you can do it. The Word of God has been given, contrary to popular opinion, it's been given for the purpose of learning it and living by it. By its every word. Clear back in Deuteronomy 8.3, along with Matthew 4.4 4 and Luke 4.4, 4, man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 
The Word of God has been given for the purpose of learning it and living by its every word in order that it might be that powerful and living force. You see, this is what you believe. That saves eternally by the gospel. That's Romans 1.16. Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. That's the powerful saving message of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is GGS, our great God and Savior. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes it, to the Jew first, even as it is, to the Greek, not second, but just as it is for the Greek. The Jew first, even as it is for the Greek or the, those that are non-Jewish. For Jew and non-Jew, it's the same gospel. Ephesians 1.13, in him, in Christ. You also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him as God's own possession with the Holy Spirit of promise. The seal of the human king can't be broken. How much more the seal of the king of kings cannot and will not be broken. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one will snatch you out of my hand. I know it's true. So, the word of God saves eternally by the gospel, sanctifies temporally by its instruction. In John 17, 17, what's John 17, 17 say? Sanctify them, Father, in the truth. Your word is truth. That's sanctification by the word. It sets you apart from sin unto the plan, purpose, and will of God for your life. Plan of God in your life so that you can truly be a disciple of his, of Jesus Christ, by continuing in his word and being set free from the things that tether you to the earth, so you can take your rightful place in the heavenlies and be seated there, looking down upon the earth and all of the daily details and problems of life from your position in the heavens, seated together with Christ, hid with Christ inside of God in Colossians 3 3. So, sanctifies temporally by its instruction, John 17 17, searches the innermost thoughts and intentions of the heart. I like to use this verse every once in a while. Proverbs twenty twenty seven. You know what it says? The spirit of man is a candle of the Lord. He's going to light your candle. Searching all the inward parts of your belly. I like that. Some of us have a lot of searching. A lot to search. Others don't. But it searches the innermost parts, inward parts of your belly, of your koilea, innermost parts of your heart and soul. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing. As far as the division of soul and spirit all the way through. That's the deepest part where the soul and spirit is of both joints and marrow the virtual wellspring of life and every motion and movement of your life, joints and marrow, production of blood in the marrow of the bones, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's saying something. 
and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. See, honey, I read that last, the second part of that. That's a wonderful part. She said, you don't often say that, and there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So those are things we believe. Now, we believe that the local church exists for one purpose, for the preaching of Jesus Christ. He is the subject of every sermon. I remind myself of this each and every time I step into the pulpit or as I prepare messages to, to present. He's the subject. He is the subject, the sole subject of every sermon. We preach Christ. In 1 Corinthians one twenty three, Colossians one twenty eight. we preach Christ. We proclaim him. Admonishing, warning every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man, woman and child, complete in Christ. He is, likewise, the sole celebrity of the church. We are to look only unto Jesus, not to anyone else. Even though there's so great a cloud of witnesses that surround us, we look at Jesus. We look away from all others, aphorao, look away from all others unto one, Jesus. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us. Say, what is that? Well, you tell me what it is, the one that entangles you the most. And they all based, it all goes back to unbelief. And neglecting or selecting or rejecting the Word of God. That's what it comes down to. And let us run with patient endurance the race that is set before us. And he says, fixing. The word's aphorao means to look away from all else at one. You look away from everyone else and look at one. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder and finisher of faith's marathon race, who for the joy of pleasing and doing the will of the Father, the joy, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross thinking little of the shame. It wasn't too great a price to pay as far as he was concerned because of his great love wherewith he loved us. Despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, the throne of God. So he is the subject of every sermon, the sole celebrity of the church, the only role model for genuine spirituality. And we are, according to 1 Peter 2.21, to follow in his footsteps. Also in Ephesians 5.1 and 2. To be like the God-man, love like Jesus did. And to walk worthy of our calling. 1 Peter 2.21, he left us an example for us to follow in his footsteps. That's what he said. Then there's Jude, because he was inspired by the same Holy Spirit, who wrote in his brief epistle, many things that Peter wrote in his second epistle, including this essential theme 
about the Word of God and believing the Word of God and standing firm with the Word of God, knowing what it is and setting your life on it as a firm foundation, including this essential theme regarding inspiration. In Second Peter one twenty says, But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. You know that, right? For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. Nobody said, I'm going to sit down and write Scriptures. No. But men moved by the Holy Spirit or carried along by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Likewise, Jude, who confirms and authenticates Peter's epistle, as well as his own, as inspired, both of them in both cases are inspired. In Jude 1, he says, or Jude 3, Jude only has one chapter, Jude verse 3, he says, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, he was going to sit down and he was going to write something by his own will, and the Lord changed it and said, this is what you write. He says, I felt a necessity, good way of saying it, to write you, write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all of Hapax handed down to the saints. Once for all delivered to the saints. There's no additions, no subtractions. So many who start well, after a while begin to read about it, about the word, rather than read it, the word itself, I said, so many who start well, after a while, begin to read about it. They read other books rather than read it, which is the Word of God. They turn their attention to theories, myths, and fables. And by that, they are led astray. Don't read all about it. Read it all about. That is from cover to cover. Even if you only read through certain parts because you don't understand what they're saying. And you'll find some of those. I assure you that's true. We believe the entire Bible is the mind of Christ. Even as Jesus is the Word of God personified. Even as God has magnified His Word. Even above all His name. In Psalm 138, 1 Corinthians 2, 16. We have the mind of Christ. For who has known the mind of the Lord that we should instruct him? Some people think they can, but you can't. But we have the mind of Christ. We believe the entire Bible is the word of God. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Not as the words of men, but for what it really is. The word of God, which also performs its work in you. Who believe the word does all the work. We believe the entire Bible is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 3, 7. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as they did in the day of provocation. We believe the Word of God is the only source of absolute truth, as well as the final authority on all matters concerning Christ and His body, the church, Colossians 1.18. Therefore, we do not exalt men, teachers, or subscribe to the interpretations of men, 
Matthew 23, 8, Jesus warns his disciples. He says, do not let people call you teacher. For one is your teacher, and the rest of you are, are all brothers. They should, some, somebody needs to understand, learn that. Pastors need to learn that instead of always being so ready to be, be called and, and, and to be applauded as such a, such wonderful, such a wonderful teacher. You're such a wonderful teacher. No, there's only one teacher. That's Jesus Christ. And I hope he's teaching you even as he's teaching me. And he teaches all of us. He's the teacher. Don't call people teacher. Teacher? Yes? Oh, not me, no. Preacher? You can call me preacher. Don't call me teacher. And I am a preacher. But teacher, Jesus is the teacher. He's the master pastor teacher, Jesus, which is the shepherd, our good shepherd, the great shepherd, chief shepherd of the sheep. So, we must always remain teachable, something we have to be careful to do. Always remain teachable and malleable. That means that you can change. We can change. When you hear something true, even if you didn't believe it before, you can change. You're still moldable or malleable. In order to learn the truth more fully, always allowing God the option of changing our minds, if if needs be. We believe the church consisting of Jews and non-Jews who believe in Jesus Christ as God and Savior, Romans 3.23, Galatians 3.28, is the people of God. The church is the people of God. And that consisting of Jews and Gentiles, mostly Gentiles, but Jews and Gentiles. And that unbelieving racial Israel never has nor ever will have any special status. They don't. Romans 2, 28, 29. He's not a Jew who's one inwardly or outwardly, but who is one inwardly, who believes in Christ and has a circumcised heart, not body, but heart. So, furthermore, we believe at the end of human history, God will redeem the remnant of believing Jews. They have to believe through great tribulation. Some will be the fleeing remnant to go to the city Petra and the others will be the fighting remnant who are found when the Lord comes trying to survive the onslaught in Jerusalem of the forces of Antichrist came against that come against what remains the remnant of Israel. Jeremiah 30 verse 7 and 31 7 followed by the disposition of judgment upon all the unbelieving, after which Jesus Christ will establish his literal 1,000-year reign upon the earth, called the Millennial Kingdom in Revelation 20, 5 through 7. And finally, the renovation of the universe, eliminating eliminating all possibility of sin, sickness, sadness, or death from ever entering again. In Revelation 21, 4. Finally, we believe that immediate justification is accompanied by progressive personal sanctification. Wherein the believer is enabled and inclined by a new nature to depart 
from wrongdoing. That's 2 Timothy 2.19. If he refuses to do so, he is liable to self-inflicted injury, self-induced misery. That's 2 Peter 2.20-22. Like a dog who returns to his vomit, his life is worse in the end than it was at first. Divine discipline, Hebrews 12.6, and even death, early dismissal. In 1 John 5.16, 1 Corinthians 11.30, those who deny the Lord his right in this realm will not only forfeit great happiness in time, 1 Peter 1.8, but will also be excluded from the privileges, rewards, and inheritance of the eternal state. Slated for him, but that he will never receive. Ephesians 1, 3 through 4, 5, 5, 2 Timothy 2, 10 to 12. In order that no one should miss out, God has proposed to both will and work in those who simply present their bodies to him, which is the effortless working out of one's salvation in Romans 12, 1 through 2, and Philippians 2.13. Because this is so, most cannot, because this is so that believers don't even know what they believe. They say they believe, but they don't know what they believe. Because this is so, most cannot tell you much about what they say they believe. What they don't learn, they don't know. That's, that makes, that's, only, that's only common sense. What they don't learn, they don't know. And what they don't know, they don't believe either. You have to know something to believe it. If you don't listen, you can't learn. Furthermore, or I should say moreover, you can't believe what you do not know, what you have not heard and learned by listening to the Word of Christ, the Word of God taught. By the Holy Spirit. Faith comes by. Oh, thank you. And hearing by the word of Christ. By the word of Christ. People say word of God. It's the word of Christ. Christ the word. Romans ten seventeen. So many live on what they have seen. This is a very important point. Some, so many live on what they have seen or experienced in the realm of supernatural occurrences. And as a result, are never able to transition to learning the word. They short out on some miracle healing or some other thing that they think they saw at some point long ago. I met so many people like this. Today is the day of salvation, not yesterday. When you walk through the Red Sea on dry land, but today... When you have yet another opportunity to hear and believe the word so that you might be a miracle, being one instead of seeing one, which is way better, far better. And that's our message for this evening. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the things that you've given us to believe, the wonderful things you've given us to believe. All of the promises, the 6,000, 7,000 promises of your word, along with all of the other, the ordinances and commandments, the law with its 950 precepts, etc., and all of the word of God, all combined, and the mystery of Christ, the mystery of godliness, the mystery of iniquity, the mystery of the gospel, the wonderful mystery 
of Christ who was manifest in the flesh, revealed, and manifest in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, viewed by angels, believed on, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, taken up in the glory. I almost forgot that verse, First Timothy 3.16. Thank you for all the wonderful things that are ours in Christ Jesus. Thank you for the scriptures of truth. We can rely on 100% faithful is the word. Jesus Christ, the written word, the spoken word, and the living word. We thank you for all of these things. Father, as we take up our offering this evening, Father, we give from what we've received. You can't give unless you've received first, and we've received so much from you, and we gladly give to, so that others may hear the word of God, that they might put true, place true value upon the word of God and their scale of priorities and their scale of values that the word of God would be number one. And so we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.